Greetings, Quester, and welcome to Tiny Meeple's Big Talk with Matt and Richard. And welcome to this Tiny Meeple's Big Talk. Now, this week, we're not going to be doing one of our big mashups. We're not oh. going to be doing a, a big versus topic. There's no question mark on the title, anyway. There is not. Um... This week, we're just going to be presenting our opinion of our first impressions, perhaps, of Star Trek Discovery. Now, I thought this question was just going to be, Star Trek Discovery! <laughs> that, that's the title of this big Star talk. Trek Discovery? Yeah. <laughs> Discovery. Star Trek. <laughs> so, yeah. now, Basically, there's a new Star Trek! Yes, and if you've not uh, been that, uh, that familiar with us before... You'll have noticed that we both are big fans of Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> um, so, and Stargate, and most things with Star in the title. Most things. Most things. I was so happy that they brought out a new series of Star Trek. That is cool. I was really looking well forward done, to a people. new series of Whoever Star Trek. Well done, people. Whoever the hell did it. But I had a different reaction to Richard. Um... And I was talking about like when I suddenly realised it's out tomorrow because it <laughs> kind of suddenly came up on my Netflix. I was when because I knew they were going to make a new series of Star mm. Trek because obviously we found out a few years before. And I thought, oh, that's going to be so great! But they're going to kind of stream it on. I think it was the CBS yeah. having their own streaming service and everything. So I thought I'm going to have to kind of set up one of those like, when it comes out because I thought that's definitely going to be worth it because I want to see whatever the new Star Trek is but then it just suddenly came up on my Netflix like it's on here like yeah. every week so I was like yes because I already watch Netflix all the time anyway it's kind of strange though isn't it because if you're in America you need a CBS subscription mm. um, but here because we're not in America we get it on Netflix and I know that's <laughs> sweet um, but my reaction was a little bit different because when I first heard there was going to be a new Star Trek series Obviously, at first I was like, yeah, new Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, oh, going to the past again? Because I wanted them to do something set after the Dominion War, sort of from yeah. the end of DS9. It's what you call the past. Yes. Everybody else and the sta- the time-space continuum calls it the future. Yes. I, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's in a Star Trek uh, universe that is now, the, obviously, the Kelvin timeline. Actually, I found out recently it's actually the Prime timeline. I thought it was really? Kelvin. Yeah, it looks very Kelvinish, but apparently no, it's uh, it's prime. Oh, so I there's did going not know to that. be no R- Romulans that we see. Apparently, Romulans are kind of a sore point with the writers. <laughs> they, it starts. Nobody's allowed to mention Romulans in the writers' room because it starts arguments. That's what I've heard anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> the thing is, I kind of, as I say, I, I really wanted them to go because we've got so much established timeline in Star Trek. Yeah. I kind of wanted them to sort of take that forward from the point of, you know, um, Deep Space Nine and and Voyager returning to the Alpha Quadrant. And because there's so much I think that they could do there. I mean, with the the Cardassian Union rebuilding, as well as the Federation and the uh, Klingons and everyone else at the end of the Dominion War, I feel like there's so much scope for a new series there. And perhaps uh, exploration into the Delta Quadrant, the Gamma Quadrant. Mm. You know, there's so much that they could have done. I just thought, oh, we're going back again. Um, and the problem is, is that I think inherently when you go back like that, you put in roadblocks in front of yourself. Mm. Because you kind of, every time you think, well, we could write this, but it doesn't agree with the existing you know, timeline continuum. There yeah. are going to be those people that say, well, it doesn't matter. Let's just go, go with it because uh, it'll be good for the story and then you've got other people going but this isn't what it's established and you're kind of throwing up objections that if you just 
gone into the future wouldn't have been there. Yeah. Uh, so you're kind of putting unnecessarily problems in place for yourself to work around. And also, when I, it actually started and the Klingons came on, I was like, what the heck have they done with the Klingons? Uh, one friend of mine described it best when he said that it was like they'd, um, you know, they decided to make them look like the drow from Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you know, yeah. it kind of doesn't look Witticism like. there. Yeah, it kind of didn't look <laughs> like Star Trek to Klingons me. Klingons look like the drow, but they did look more like some sort of, fan, you know, fantasy. They reminds me a bit Klingons. of the dark elves from Skyrim as well. But yeah, without the hair. But the drow were dark elves, so yeah, so we're you know in agreement maybe on there's, that. Maybe there's several, several people copying several people. Maybe Skyrim stole it from yeah. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. And, yeah. I mean, the thing is, in Star Trek, the Klingons have changed several times now over the various it's series, the from the original thing. series to the next generation. You just change the, the Klingons, and, you know. Well, they can't just do something horrible to O'Brien anymore. They have to. <laughs> no. Maybe they went around to Cold Meanie <laughs> and let down his tires or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so I wasn't particularly happy it was going to be set in the past. But I thought, give it a chance. Um, there was a lots of sadness coming from this house. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were things that I thought were, was going to be interesting, I wasn't quite convinced of. Like having a, a, a main like, character. Convince me. Yeah. But like having a main character. Star Trek have never really had a main character, it's always been the crew, and you get different stories that will follow different members of the crew. Whereas this has got its main character and it follows a more continuous storyline as opposed to the more episodic feels of, say, uh, The Next Generation. I don't know. I didn't really... Voyager. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When, when you were talking about that, I... Yeah, I, I can kind of see what you mean. It's but, like a continuous story arc. Well, basically, normally they have the main character being the captain and this time they haven't. But I know what you mean. There's uh, from the next generation onwards, they they started doing like focusing. This time it's like a Geordie story. Mm. This time it's a Data one. Um, more often than not, though, um, it does tend to focus on the captain quite a lot. But this time, yeah, it's very much so far. I'd say kind the of next a, a generation it probably focused on Data as much as it did on Picard. To be honest, it yeah, was... it did. Well, there's lots of interesting stuff you can do with Data's character, yeah. but. No, it, they did. Um, they realised that it wasn't working, and that they had to start focusing on one character per episode, basically. But with an A story and a B story. Um, I don't think it. You can say it wasn't working. I mean, it worked so well across. I know this is just an interview. So, I heard oh, right, they okay. said it. They said it wasn't. So that working, was their, so their, their view then. Yeah, yeah. It was becoming difficult to write because it seemed a bit weird just having it like an entire crew every episode. It worked back in the sixties. Kind of. Well, obviously, in the 60s, you had Kirk, Spock, McCoy were the main characters. Yeah. And then later on, there was some that focused on Scotty or Chekhov or somebody. But, um, yeah, well, it was more the later series, wasn't it? i say the Next Generation DS9 that did that. Because then they, they would have episodes with literally every member of the, of the crew. And in DS9's case, even members that weren't of the crew. So there was quite a few of... Uh, episodes that were Ferengi centric with oh yeah well, they're um, more characters Quark, not, but they were recurring not, yeah recurring yeah. regular characters they don't have to have a Starfleet badge and mm. paycheck in fake non-existent money so. <laughs> 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 kudos that's what they get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it did work it did work well I mm. think perhaps they thought that maybe having a single 
uh, main character might make it easier to market single perhaps. female Starfleet <laughs> <laughs> I don't know maybe um, it seems a little bit like it's I know it's different to this but a little bit like the droids in Star Wars that mm. they're the ones that seem to be narrating the story obviously it's focused on um, Michael what she's doing mm. at the moment but I kind of imagine it um, turning into more of a uh, we only watched six episodes so far, so I imagine it um, becoming more focusing on different characters as it goes later on, once the crew is a bit more established mm. and everything. Because really, we're in kind of the Klingon War story arc, which Michael had a role in starting. I don't really agree with the other people on the ship, that I don't think she started it so much. I think it was no, going to start anyway. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't blame her for that. No, no, no but I think she's easy. been all fairly maligned in, in that sense. And you've just she, been reading the headlines, haven't But they? what she did... Yeah, <laughs> it was all fake news. But what, <laughs> yeah. but what she did do... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll come back to this in a, in a minute, because I was going to say that one of the things about having episodes where it focuses on different members of the crew mm. that's good is that if you don't like a main character... Yeah. Or if you don't like one character. So say, for example, in uh, The Next Generation, if you didn't like Riker, mm-hmm. who didn't like Riker? But if you didn't like Riker, you'd be like, you all right. Crazy. Yeah. All right. I don't like Riker, but this is an episode about Geordie and I love Geordie. You well, know, it could this be is an the episode ones... about Beverly and I love Beverly. You know. If you didn't like Riker, you could watch one about Barkley, who's like yeah. the opposite of Riker. <laughs> the anti-Riker. Yeah, you know. basically. Um, yeah. If they shook hands, the universe would explode. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So if you and whereas if you kind of have one main character, you kind of put in a lot of eggs into that basket because if if someone doesn't like that main character, then they're probably not gonna like the rest of the show. Which is why you don't like that character and you don't like the rest of the show. Actually my my views on the show changed probably around episode That's four. That's good, because you were getting annoying for a while. <laughs> Dude! Sorry. To, to, to the face! Yeah. <laughs> is, okay. this, is this your knife in my back? <laughs> say it behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I'm not a fan of uh, Michael Burnham's character. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, tell you why. I just find that in the first couple of episodes, um... I could understand they were trying to go for like a Spock level of emotionless, a Vulcan level of emotionless. Mm. But it just didn't sit with the character. I mean, Sonequa Martin-Green, who plays Michael Burnham, is a very good actress. You guys and, say what she was in. No. Uh, she's, she's been in other stuff before that I've watched. And, yeah. you know, in those, I genuinely cared about what happened to her. I didn't know who this actress was. I'd never seen you her know. or anything. And in this... I, I don't know, there was just something... It felt unlikable about the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps that's what they were going for, and she's gonna. we're going to see her becoming more human as time goes on. And I think that's what's happened over the slowly over the arc. She's started to act slightly more human, and as mm-hmm. that's happened, she's become slightly more likeable, I think, in, in a way. Right. Um, but, like, in, in episode two, we saw her effectively assaulting a captain and, and mut- committing mutiny... And then in the next episode, she's saying to uh, Captain Lorca that she's going to live and die by the principles of Starfleet. And yeah. that just didn't seem right to me. It was kind of an element of bad writing. But there are characters... Uh, in... That wasn't bad writing. She just, <laughs> she's been sitting in a cell for six months at that point. And uh, I mean, she, she wanted to save her crew, which she mm. saw as being more important in that situation and mm. she made a bad decision but you know she wanted to take her medicine basically which is what I think that's 
in line with Starfleet ideals, really. But, yeah. She wanted to stay as a prisoner and serve her time. Yeah, I, I mean, think you can say I, yeah, it's not logical. I, can, just... I, I respect that. Yeah, I do respect that. Um, I did like Saru's character. I loved Saru. When I first watched it, I thought, oh, I like that tall alien who's scared of everything. I wasn't entirely really sure good, about yeah. him at first, but it's probably more I like him when he's on the Discovery and not on the mm. uh, in in the in the pilot episodes. I did I think no it was objections. a shame that they killed off Michelle Yeoh's character because she was she was good and she was mm-hmm. interesting and she's a good actress. Um, so that was a shame. But for me, I found I was watching several episodes and I literally didn't care about any of the characters. That changed over time. As I say, I find that... Why do you want to care about characters? They want a cool ship in space. Because I think you, you kind of, to be emotionally invested... You kind of have to give a give a damn whether a character is going to live or die in a given situation, mm. but I just didn't feel like that at all. No, none of the characters mattered to me. But as time's gone on, as I say, I've sort of Michael doesn't annoy me the way she did at first, so that's always a positive. Um, Tilly was the one that I start, first started to really like. Mm. She seems a lot more human than a lot of the others. I mean, in Star Trek in general, the humans aren't very human because no. they're kind of like um, some kind of post-scarcity, almost perfect ideal, of uh, ideal yeah. humans. So they, they seem uh, a bit for weird example, to us. early series Julian Bashir, mm. uh, Beverly Crusher. You know these sort of characters would probably fit very well into what you've just said. Well, basically, all of them. I mean. On DS9, there was a, a massive difference between the human characters and the Ferengi. Uh, they, I mean, I've, I've heard it said like the Ferengi seem like the most human ones there. Yeah. You know, so I mean, very relatable. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And uh, everybody seems obviously they're acting very well, but this seem kind of almost wooden next to it because they're mm. having to play these roles. Obviously, mm. actually, O'Brien seems very human as well. Yeah, I, he's. Um, <laughs> Ever since well, everybody the next loves right, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. Uh, I like that one in the Next Generation where he like doesn't think he hates Cardassians, <laughs> but he's been horrible to the Cardassians <laughs> all the time. That's, <laughs> that, that's very kind of human, mm. I think. Yeah. And um, but yeah, Tilly was the first one I thought was actually a, a you know the first glimmer of a likable character. That I quite liked Ash Tyler, mm. who we met in is it episode four? We met Ash Tyler. Yeah. So well. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm just so sick of talking about characters and things, and um, and it's it's like characters are always the thing that you have to talk mm. about. Like when I did English literature and things like that, mm. and I just um, I like the ship, the settings, the adventure, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to say characters aren't important. It's just what matters to me in Star Trek is that I can kind of put myself there and want mm. to be there and be part of the adventure and everything. And to me, I, I've always, I really have been enjoying the, the Discovery episodes like on that level for the whole thing. I know you've had very strong feelings about the characters right from the first episode and I just, I couldn't even join in with you in the conversations or like argue in favour of them because I just wasn't bothered. I mean, you might as well ask me if I like the light switch or not. I mean, it's just um, so like the characters so why, were just there. So doing why stuff. do people pay the cast so much if no one cares? I don't care. They can do what they want. But yeah, um, 
I enjoyed the elements that they put into the pilot episode, so I I really enjoyed that. Um, Takuma the unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. The, I like Takuma the easily forgettable. <laughs> the the Klingons were a bit weird, but I. I liked the Starfleet stuff more than the Klingon stuff because mm. the Klingon language has got a bit, a bit weird. Like it keeps starting and stopping. It's a bit difficult to listen to. But um, what what I liked was, and I know you didn't like this so much about Michael that she was uh, like emotionless and everything. Um, I just really liked the fact that they had a human that had learnt the Vulcan purging of emotions and stuff. I think. That's something that I've wanted to see in a long time. And I've always liked the idea of being able to do that. I mean, if ever I've like been upset or something, I just think, oh, I wish I was a Vulcan. And I just love the idea that they've had that now in Star Trek, more so than they did in Voyager when Harry Kim suddenly decided he wanted to be Vulcan and it lasted mm. like half an episode. But um, yeah, just because the Vulcans aren't naturally emotionless. They, well, with with Harry Kim, he was, he'd been emotional all his life. He was in he love with a girl. To, <laughs> yeah, and then he just decided, I want to purge these emotions so I don't have to feel bad because I'm lovesick. It was so great that Whereas Vul- with that Michael, was teaching him. she'd been raised from a young age to follow yeah. Vulcan philosophy. Which you now learn as kind of Salix experiment. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it kind of... The thing is, what's important to remember there is that Vulcans... I've only purged the showing of emotion. They still yeah. feel those emotions. They just try kind and of. hide them. I don't know. Um, I think they use meditation to purge them. They, they still have them, but they just won't yeah. feel them on the conscious level. So it is the same. It's not like they're just kind of bottling it up. I think Spock really encapsulated that because he had to his human emotion, human side to fight against as well. Mm. Um, and of course, for Michael, she is only she's fully human. She's not part Vulcan. She's just had that training yeah I thought that was that was interesting but it kind mm. of somehow it came across in a more snobbish way to me than it did with Spock oh no the uh, Vulcans are snobs I won't yeah. argue with and you it, on that it kind of that but that kind of came through very much strongly with I think um, with Michael whereas with Spock there was kind of like sometimes an aloof superiority a lot of the time actually never that um Quite see, the snobbishness. Yeah, he did show a lot of sass. He did. I, I was just going to say that. Like, if you watch the original series, like Spock seems to show disapproval a lot, and like, and yeah. just with an eyebrow. Yeah, well, two eyebrows sometimes. It was a lot where it ends with Spock kind of going like, like giving <laughs> giving them the right usually look, to right McCoy and... face look. Yeah, yeah, that's it. so. Um, yeah, and I mean. At the moment, I'm watching Discovery, obviously, once a week when it's on. Mm. Um, I'm also... My mum and dad have recently just started watching Enterprise. And so I've been watching those, like, most evenings. I, I watched them when they were on, anyway. But, um, yeah, the Vulcans are so, so snobby in mm. that. I mean, the whole... So it should Instead of being called Enterprise, it should be called We Hate the Vulcans. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I'm getting a lot of weirdness from Vulcans at the moment mm. on both programs. So. <laughs> I mean, with regards to the actual storyline, I'm enjoying the Star Trek Discovery storyline. Mm. And that's to me, is why I've probably stuck with it, even though I, I didn't really like a lot of the characters. That oh, well, you have to watch it anyway. Um, I liked, I liked, yeah, well, I would have. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and um, but I like the storyline. I like where they've gone. I thought it was interesting. I do think that the Spore Drive sounds stupid. It does sound but stupid. But it looks amazing when it's used. 
I absolutely the first time I used it and the the saucer section was spinning and then it all flipped over and then just teleported across the universe. I think that's great. I love that. And that shows clever writing. If they want us to swallow something so inherently garbage, mm. give us something shiny to look at. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't when I actually think about it though, I don't think it's as crazy as it seems when you consider a lot of the other things that the one Star Trek. And I've already I think I might have already mentioned it today when I was talking about the expanse but gravity plating something mm. I've, I've always had a problem with um, well if we're going to start analysing no Star Trek it's, for science it's going to fall apart but, well, th- this is it but Spore Drive isn't as crazy isn't cr- crazier than the rest of it it is a very different idea though and when Stammons was um, explaining it's like it's what, physics as biology mm. or something I think that's really good because everything is made of like fundamental quarks and spores are so small and once you get so close to Planck's mm. constant loads of weird stuff does go on and um, yeah just this idea that there's life forms that can kind of travel that I don't think it's um, yeah I like that idea with like the, uh, the ripper creature mm. that, he, he was an interesting giant uh, water bear yeah it he was, was cool uh, I felt sorry for him but he was interesting um, but yeah. I think because, I mean, with Star Trek, people think, oh, Star Trek, it's scientific. It's actually, a lot of the time, it's not. It's no. just, it's put across in a way that sounds they scientific. They use a lot of scientific words and uh, and concepts as well. Mm. They'll put them in. But there is, there's just so much um, craziness mm. with it because it has to, the ship has to, on the inside, be like a normal room that mm. you'd have on Earth. And... Uh, there's just so much you have to invent to mm. make, be able to do that in space. And also, obviously, there's transporters, warp drive. It's all outside of what we understand of physics. But they do actually spend a lot of time kind of mm. thinking about uh, how it actually works in their universe. So mm. it's all right. But you just, you just kind of know that it's going to be crazy. But I'm slowly, slowly starting to... Uh, be more accepting of Michael Burnham. I really like Shazad Latif as Ash Tyler. He's a yeah, really good character. Like I'm, um, not, I'm not too bothered about him. I, I quite like Tilly because I felt Tilly was more relatable. Mm. Um, there was just something inherently likable about Tilly. Mm. Lorca, at first, <laughs> I wasn't that keen on the captain. Uh, but I thought as he was time's be a gone, yeah, I, I kind of had that feeling, and as time's gone on, I kind of. He, again, seems to be slowly more relatable. And I think in the last episode particularly, without going into spoilers, there were a few instances where he, again, he started to seem more human. Yeah. And we started to warm to him a bit. Yeah, but and he, he, loves, Jones he so... loves his ship. That's that's the one thing you need about a captain. And it's just... I know I wasn't going to really be too bothered about characters, but I just know when he's on the screen, there's going to be interesting things said and done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what I like about him. But both Doug Jones, who plays Saru, Doug and Jones Jason well. Isaacs, who, who plays Captain Lorca, are both very good actors. Mm. You know, yeah, and brilliant. Can't fault them on that. So as time's gone on, I think because I've sort of stuck with it because of the, I, I, I like the idea of the story, I've mm. started to like Discovery more. I do think there's a lot of flaws in it, mm-hmm. but hey, there's going to be flaws in any show. Yeah. Um, but certainly not nothing enough that's going to put me off watching it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I mean, it's Star Trek. I was, I was. If they, if they'd slapped, if they'd slapped USS Enterprise on the side of a garbage truck and filmed <laughs> that for, for a few hours, I would yeah. probably watch that. You know. It is just a tragedy that I 
don't live on a starship and like there's more star trek it's like i i just kind of just see myself there all the time it's like i'm just like on the i'm on the bridge at the side going oh how are we going to get out of this one one, <laughs> one of the things that someone said to me is like oh it's dark star trek i mean why do we want dark star trek star trek's meant to be light and i was thinking did you ever watch the Dominion War seasons of Deep Space Nine? <laughs> well, <laughs> it has got pretty dark at times for DS Nine and for Voyager. Well, in the Delta well, Quadrant, with yeah, the but the Star Trek is was it? Well, generally, it's a, a very optimistic view of the future. Yeah, but obviously there has to be uh, drama and mm. and things in it. Um, I do know that DS Nine was started because it was getting a bit too optimistic for everybody, and they needed to have like, a darker series. So, DS Nine is basically Star Trek at its dark, darkest. You've basically got the... So Kardashians. far, so far. Yeah, yeah. And this... Obviously, once uh, Battlestar was out, the the newer series of that, um, a lot of sci-fi kind of followed that, that a little bit, that kind of style. And I feel like the Star Trek has had to kind of incorporate that a bit, mm. but not too much. I mean, I was watching it thinking, yeah, this is darker than normal for Star Trek mm. but like if this was Battlestar Galactica like half the characters would have committed suicide by now <laughs> there'd be all kinds of stuff going on they'd be starving or something compared to um, some things like that and Stargate Universe mm. for example it's not no, uh, the Star Trek Universe um, but Stargate Universe but the um, Stargate but Sorry. I think Stargate Universe it's darkness was what almost killed it because a lot of people were tuning in expecting SG-1 expecting witticisms from a O'Neill Shepard-like character. Well, I'm just I'm living in the UK. We get the aftermath of everything, and <laughs> we just find out like whether things got ratings or not, and had to get cancelled. And 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 but, we hate Fox. Yeah, and we just have to live with the results. Yeah. So I mean, I I loved Universe, and um, I loved Universe. Yeah. It was a it was a tragedy that ended. So but... yeah, I see what you mean. It's um, not as dark as a lot of things, and and I think that as well. I do think it is a very positive view of the future, but because humanity is kind of going out as explorers mm. and everything, it just so happens that they've started exploring too close to the Klingon Empire, and they don't like it. So. I think if you were a viewer and you were coming to this without any of the history of Star Trek, I think you would probably like it more because I mean we've both got long histories with the franchise. We've watched you know all the we? different series and yes. we've enjoyed them all. Mm. Um, but that means that kind of for us, we can kind of look at it and kind of go, well, hang on, they're using technologies that are way beyond whatever they had in. No, you do that. I, d- I just go with it. And like, well, if this, you know, I'm kind of waiting for something bad to happen with the spore drivers to show why they're not using that in the future series. But they had to genetically engineer stamens for it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're not allowed to do eugenics. So yeah, things like that, you know. But there's a Khan Union Singh waiting in the wings. Yeah, but if you were approaching this without any knowledge of Star Trek before, you didn't know that it was meant to be this optimistic view. You probably, I think, would like it even more hmm. than someone going to it with with all that knowledge. I don't know. I would still love to live on the Discovery, even. All the stuff they go through. Obviously, normally, like on the Enterprise and everything, there was a problem every week. Like mm. on the original sixties one, like you're flying along in your Constitution class Enterprise, and then a giant green hand grabs <laughs> the ship. <laughs> so that kind of stuff happens mm. in Starfleet. So um, yeah, I I've just been really enjoying having a new series of Star Trek, and I'm I'm quite happy with the kind of things that they've been doing with it. Um, 
I I loved um, seeing Rain Wilson as Harcourt Mud. I think that was great. Actually, yeah, yeah because I really like that as well. Obviously, uh, if you aren't familiar with the history of Star Trek in the original series, um, Fenton Harcourt Fenton Mud was a recurring kind kind of a villain, but never a particularly I think serious he was in villain. Two. He was in Mud's Women, and then that one with all the flipping androids on the planet. Yeah, yeah, um, and Fen- he was just a Fenton was a a really interesting he's like a, character. He's a con man. Yeah. yeah he's great. And it's kind of, when I knew that they were going to be bringing him into Discovery, I was kind of thinking, are they going to like take a character that I liked and ruin him? Mm. But actually, uh, Rain Wilson does an absolutely brilliant job in the one episode we've seen Mud so far of portraying Mud. Yeah, he was just portraying everybody, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah. And... Faithful to the original character, mm. but with his own take on the character as well. Yeah, and I good. like it when people can do that. Uh, rather than just a complete recreation or something completely different. Very, very, uh, very likeable, very been, much a rogue. Uh, I've been trying to uh, watch it kind of in a vacuum and mm. not... Um, I've been trying to like not know anything about it before it's going to be on the TV. So I, was, yeah. I watched that episode, I watched that with my parents um, when it was on on the Monday. And I remember it like... That's Harry Mudd, and it's Dwight. So I was, just, I was, I was really happy about that. It was a bit strange when they dropped the f bomb on Discovery, though, because that sort of breaks with Star Trek tradition. That was kind of awkward. I hope they don't continue with that. That's kind something of thing, I hope they don't do as well. We don't want it to be edgy. We want it to be Star Trek. You have whatever dark stories you want, because. Like there always was, even in the mm. original trilogy, there would be ones where there was like thousands of people dying or something mm. like that. But I mean, but we the watch, crew we want always to watch the beacons it and of relax. light. Yeah, yeah that's Starfleet it. was the yeah. beacon of light, facing the darkness, facing the evil. Yeah, you don't want Star Trek to become the darkness. Not that swerving is dark, but it's just a bit distasteful when you're watching it. Because like people could be watching it with their kids and mm. things like that, and it's just. It's just not necessary. I mean, who's going to think, oh, that's a much better programme now because they said the F word. Yeah. So, um, but, just grow up. Yeah. But we are enjoying it and we're looking forward to seeing the rest of I'm the enjoying the heck out of it. Um, how much of that have you drank? <laughs> I know, I do, I'm just having little sips all the time and it's just... Dude, is that synthahol? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's yeah. fine, it's fine. Yeah, it's I'm cool to talk on this. Yeah, <laughs> I can fly a shuttle pod. We are, as I say, we are enjoying it. We are looking forward to seeing how it progresses, how it develops over the rest of the series. Mm. And Mud, as far as I know, is going to be in more episodes. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm glad that some of the characters, they've introduced more likeable characters and that some of the characters that we've seen have become more likeable. But I'm just really enjoying the story and the effects that they've used are absolutely brilliant. I love that nebula. When she went out to try and help Savek and he was lost in a nebula it was all multicoloured that was cool we haven't said how much Sarek is so annoying well, <laughs> it was always her, annoying yeah. in the original series but he's just a much worse person than we realised well actually no I was always surprised at what an idiot he could be like in the when he was first in the original series and like and Kirk was saying, "Oh, Spock, you might like to show show your father around." The oh no, he didn't know his father. Did you? You can show him around because he went on the Vulcan, mm. and uh, he doesn't want to go around with Spock. He doesn't want to talk to Spock. And then Kirk later finds out that that's his dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's he is a ridiculously hard-hearted man. But we learn a little bit about why he had such a problem with Spock joining Starfleet in Be- Discovery. Because yeah, in the last episode. Oh yeah, no spoilers. 
Yeah. I was about to drop a massive spoiler there. Yeah, don't drop the spoiler. It's not an F bomb, but don't drop it. No. It's almost as offensive. Yeah, so anyway, we love oh, I love Discovery and uh I'm looking forward to seeing what episode seven brings and uh yeah, it's just hopefully one day I'll get to live in space like they do. So, what do you think about Star Trek Discovery? Have you seen it? Are you planning to watch it? And if not, why are you listening to this podcast? I'm sure you uh, reckon something. Yeah, this is not a good segment for you if you hate all things Star Trek. So, but drop us a comment, let us know what you think, and come back at the end of the series and tell us what your final thoughts are, and I'm sure we'll probably have something to say at the end of the series too. Yeah, we should uh, maybe do another one of these of like how it develops kind of thing. <laughs> Discovery 2. Um... Yeah, or maybe we take it all back. That might be what <laughs> might be the title. <laughs> at the of end, it. at the end of the series, it may be Richard going there. I absolutely hated that. I can't believe they did that. Why have I been maybe. watching that for fifteen episodes? And <laughs> yeah. I'll be there going, you know what? That was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll need more synth hole. Yeah. So stay medicine. Farewell, Quester. To find out about other productions by the Meddlesome Meeples, then check out our channel or rendezvous with us at meddlesomemeeples.com. Until next time, Quester, farewell and keep thine axe sharp.